It's time for the Alien Conspiracy Podcast. We are your hosts, Agent ETA, Agent Ether, Agent Kruger, and Agent Anderson. Come along as we examine UFO sightings, conspiracies, and all things strange. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. Before we get into this week's episode, Strange Events, Bizarre Facts, The Unbelievable Revealed, this is the Mind Boggle of the Week. Drinking out of your shoe? Yup, that's right. In Australia, there's a bunch of savages that have a tradition of taking shots or drinking beer out of their shoe. They call it a shoey. This is a real thing. I'm not making this up. Sometimes in celebration or sometimes just for the hell of it when they're out on the town. I don't know. Ask an Australian. But for whatever reason, they think it's a good idea to chug beer or other beverages out of their shoe. Sometimes dirty shoes, sometimes they'll go on a jog and then do drink it out of their shoe after that. I'm going to read from Wikipedia, go ahead and look it up, because this is a real thing. Here it says on Wikipedia, The shoey is particularly popular in, but not limited to, Australia. The drinker either removes their own shoe or nominates a friend's shoe to be used as the vessel. The shoe is tilted and the entire contents of a can of beer are poured into the shoe's opening. Once the beverage has settled, the beer is drunk by tipping the shoe up to the mouth and chugging it. The drink most commonly used for a shoey is beer, however, other alcoholic beverages are also used. Australian Formula One racer Daniel Riccardio has said, If the sparkling wine is cold, then it tastes good. If it's warm, then you might get the sweat through it, but the cold taste kills the bad stuff, so it's delicious. Mmm, I know what I'm having tonight, after dinner. Man, those Australians, they're pretty hardcore. That is crazy. I didn't believe it at first when I heard this, but uh, yeah, I asked on social media and I looked it up. I Googled it. It is a real thing. So, wow. <laughs> you haven't heard, though, of like stars drinking out of their pumps like champagne? No, I've never heard of this before. Because I've heard of that before. It's crazy. Why would you do that? I have no idea. You have a perfectly good glass sitting next to you and you choose your shoe. I just don't understand it. It's the strangest thing to me. But like I said, I guess Australians are savages. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. Hey, I love Australia. But man, I just don't understand this one. All right. Part two. Yeah. But like, hey, one of the things I really wanted to touch on also is like some of the tool markings that are on some of the stones and stuff on the Giza Plateau and some of the stones that are like uh, some of the ruined stones around some of the structures um, on the Giza Plateau. So I'm not sure how familiar you guys are with uh, some of these tool markings, but there seems not to be like familiar. some, well, there seems to be some, some stones that have evidence of high speed drills uh, not just like tubular drills, but like large bladed, bladed drills as well. And the reason why they know that it's whatever cut this stone was high speed. Uh, they know because of the, the striations and the markings left behind. Um, and, mm. and they know because like, I mean, there's a lot of like stone cutting that we have nowadays. Uh, you know, ma masons are very capable nowadays of, of doing some amazing stuff with stone, but still they are not capable of quite the level of precision that it has been executed on the Giza plateau. In my opinion, and it's not just my opinion either. Um, in lead up to this, uh, podcast, I watched quite a different, uh, quite a few different, uh, interviews with, um, architects and uh, engineers and masons as well, because I, I wanted to kind of gain, a perspective, uh, um, an opinion on what they thought, you know what I mean? Because I would imagine those, those people don't really care much about, you know, what the history may entail or, you know, what, what, you know, storylines may be ruined by the evidence that's, that's presented. You know what I mean? If they're it, not I'm, as biased is what you're saying. Exactly. Exactly. Yes, absolutely. And so, um, it was pretty in, uh, incredible what they were saying, most of them pretty much said that I don't think that we could recreate this nowadays, even with our level of, of uh, sophistication, you know, and, and um, if we could be able to recreate it, it would take a hell of a lot longer than 
supposedly, you know, 20 to 22 to 27 years. I know I've heard a couple different estimations of how long it supposedly took to, to build the great pyramid, but, um, it, yeah. It so t- what, what you're talking about, I think specifically is like the tolerances between some of the blocks where like you couldn't even fit a piece of paper, but these blocks are cut so precisely that they just, they line up. We're talking about like, for example, in the King's chamber, like we said, some blocks up to 80 tons per block cut so precisely that there, there's like, there's no gap at all between them or, or may, maybe, maybe the, how like the entire pyramid, the entire structure was square to within, um, base was square to 12 seconds of arc and a minute of arc is a 60th of a degree and a second is a 60th of that. So we're talking about the entire thing is like very, very precise and like the, it's level within a, the entire structure is level to within a couple of millimeters. Yeah. Like I could go on and on, but basically the, the way the entire thing was constru- constructed, it was constructed to a precision that I don't think we could replicate even today. It's, it's super yeah. ultra precise. It's there, shockingly so, precise. There is so many different layers of, of just amazing precision. Just like, like you just said, just like that 13 acre footprint, to have that as flat and level as possible as it is before you even lay the blocks down is like an accomplishment, an, an, an astounding accomplishment just in itself, you right. know, let, let alone having all these freaking blocks fit, fit um, heterogeneously together in a way to where it protects against pretty much any earthquake that the earth can uh, produce. It seems. Well, think of the number of bodies that are being pushed back and forth and standing, you know what I mean? And lugging those I mean, if they were building us by hand and if they were doing it in that method, that's definitely harder in my opinion and not smarter. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I want to make sure that I, I mentioned one thing that, that maybe half the audience may know, maybe half of them doesn't, I don't know what the ratio may be, but how many sides do you think the great pyramid of Giza has? Oh, 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 Three. I know this Three. one. No, no, it's eight. No. Yes, it is eight. <laughs> it actually has eight sides. I, I remember when I, uh, it was years ago when I found this out, uh, when it was presented to me for the first time, I think I was watching a lecture on YouTube or some shit. And I was like, wait, what? And then I saw, I saw those pictures that were taken, the, the original pictures by the, uh, British air force that happened to the aerial like on, photographs. Yeah. Those aerial photographs that happened yeah. to be taken on the summer solstice, I think. Uh, and so it just happened to show the right, the right angle, the right, uh, shadows. And, um, I remember that just being like, like, wait, what? Because I, that's like, it seems to me like, like such an unnecessary level of sophistication, like that would make, that would make things so much more difficult, you know, as, as the person who is building this structure, designing it to put that, that extra level of, of uh, sophistication upon it. You know what I mean? It's almost uh, like they were showing off. Oh yeah. Right. On so many levels, they were showing off. They they were saying it might be have been in the past more distinctive and just because of erosion over time it started to wear down or because well, the facing I've heard stones that. were taken off. Yeah, I, I've yeah. I've heard I've heard that theory before. Like like the stone started to um, almost collapse upon itself, and that's why you have these indentations. But here's the thing: these these indentations are such precise angles it could not have been by accident. I've heard that. I mean, there are so many different coincidences, I guess you could say within the structures on, um, in Egypt, just in general, I hear it so many times, time and time again, I hear Egyptologists saying, Oh, it's just a coincidence. No, no, that's a mistake. It's just a coincidence. No, it's, you know what? I think they've given into, uh, far too far into the notion of ignorance is bliss. And they don't want to think about, you know, um, what the information that is staring them dead in the face actually means because they would have to change too many of their opinions. You know what I mean? Um, but at any rate, uh, you know, it, it's a, I, I don't think any of this stuff is by chance because, uh, um, so these annotations uh, that make the eight sided pyramid, the great pyramid of uh, Giza, um, if, if the structure would have collapsed upon itself very slightly to create these annotations, then you would have to see, evidence of that within the, the structure itself. You'd have to see block blocks cracking, blocks giving way to some force, and you don't see that any anywhere. You know, n- not on the outside, not on the inside. 
You know what I mean? So they had to have been by design. I have a, I have a theory about this. You mentioned earthquakes. Usually what happens is they build something like, let's say a structure, a pyramid, whatever. There's an earthquake. And then after the earthquake, it looks all jacked up and janky and stuff. What if the pyramids, they built it and it looked jacked up and janky when they built it. And then an earthquake (laughs) happened and then boom, everything fell into place and now it looks perfect. I like it. <laughs> that is a feat of engineering right there. Yeah. It was just an it was all just an accident, guys. There's a couple of big earthquakes. I like they kind of shook dude. everything around and that's why everything fits so precisely. Kind of jimmied everything together. Yeah. So I read actually a really cool theory about the construction aspect. There's one guy, a scientist, a material scientist named Joseph Davidovitz. Um, he has what he calls the limestone concrete hypothesis. His idea is that the blocks, instead of being carved stone, they're actually formed concrete. So, uh, except for the ones like the the blocks in the king's chamber, which are very clearly, you know, for, uh, carved stone. But most of the most of the stones that make up the Great Pyramid, uh, he thinks that they were limestone concrete cast like modern concrete. It was they took limestone and they dissolved it in large pools that were fed by the Nile River. They added lime and natron to the mix. Uh, natron, I guess, is a chemical used in embalming, so we know that they had it back then. Uh, then the pools were evaporated. The result was a clay-like, a clay-like substance that was then carried to the pyramid site and molded using wooden forms. Each layer of the pyramid was cast above the last, allowing for the tight clearances that you see between the blocks. They actually did a test at the Geopolymer Institute in France, proving the concept is possible. Davidovitz claims that the uh, the, femine, the F-A-M-I-N-E, Femine Stele, S-T-E-L-E, and other hieroglyphic te- texts show this technique. It's a theory that's not really accepted by like almost anybody, like pretty much everybody thinks it's nonsense. But in 2006, they used a scanning electron microscope to look at samples from the limestone from the pyramid blocks, and they found minerals and air bubbles in the blocks that could not possibly have occurred if they had formed naturally. So, I mean, I don't know how much truth there is in that, the fact that all other academics refuse to believe it, maybe that's worth something. I don't know. But I thought that was like a really interesting theory. And if you think about it, it would be a hell of a lot easier to get this level of precision if you were forming the blocks in a mold rather than having to carve them out of the rock at a quarry. But on the other hand, there is they have found quarries that they think were used to build it. So it's sort of contradictory evidence, right? Correct. I hear you. Kind of hard, kind of hard to know what to believe. I don't know. And it happened so long ago that this kind of evidence, it really is going to depend on who's looking at it. You know, each academic is going to have their own opinion, and then the evidence to back it up. I feel like it's going to be so minimal. Mm-hmm. Well, we just have to leave it to opening one's mind to the possibilities and other theories of how these things. I mean, it's fascinating to, for me at least, to look back and be, you know, what if or could be or you know, what, what have you. Um, but I mean, a lot of, you know, archeologists and historians have come a bit biased, but due to just evolution and saying, you know, every civilization before us is inferior to Mm -hmm. the one that's after, um, which I don't think is entirely true. I mean, there is, we've weeded out uh, we've perfected some things, you know, we're not going to kill you. We're going to hold you accountable for your actions and you get due, you know, there's a due process now there's court and all that good stuff, but, uh, um, we're not burning, which is at the stake anymore. There's certain things that we've grown out of, but for other things, I mean, I don't know, like I, I, I'm not, I hope I'm not coming off too crazy when I say this, but you know, we could have been, have knowledge of things in the past that we just could have been contenders. Of. Could have. <laughs> we could have been somebody. We could have been. You could have been something, <laughs> champ. Only if coach put you in. Well, there's a different academic who has an entirely different opinion about the pyramids and what they were used for. And that's a uh, Mr. Sipson. 
And based on questionable and dubious translations of the Dead Sea Scrolls, he actually thinks the pyramids are, in fact, Noah's Ark. Dubious means accurate, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's new information I I was reading up on, rather new, I was reading up on uh, as of late, for me at least, to hear that it's, it's actually Noah's Ark. It's in plain sight. You fool. I had I had never heard that before. It, it kind of blew my mind. I think that's a really fun theory. <laughs> hey, didn't didn't China find a Noah's Ark? We talked about this last we podcast. Did. We did. We did talk about they it. They already found it. What are you talking about it? And I looked it up and there was in fact in America a Noah's Ark theme park. Oh yes, <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen this? It's amazing. The, what a blessed park! It's it an is. amazing. It's an amazing failure. Unfortunately, is what it is. <laughs> but uh, boy, did they put a lot of effort into that. A for and effort. Then, uh, other ap- academics actually think that it was used uh, to store wheat. It was used as storage. But I think that's mostly a biblical, biblical edit. I think no, that's no. mostly a biblical interpretation based on the fact that. You know, the Israelites built the pyramids and the whole story of Joseph and how he uh, basically saved everyone from famine by building grain stores. So in medieval times, there were some depictions specifically in St. Mark's Cathedral in Venice of the pyramids being used to store grain. But there was a lot of... uh... I mean, I don't. I like to think that I mean, there. Were, I also read a story that the pyramids were some uh, future or a future. Jeez, um, was like a first, uh, first of its kind bomb shelter, if you will, or some sort oh. of uh, like safety, you know, for everyone to uh. run into before they were tran- like transformed to tombs or whatnot. But um, I don't know where all the rooms were for grain storage or mm. for bomb shelters, right? Because yeah. there are a lot of uh, ducks and <laughs> so forth, but it's not the like the Grand Gallery hollow. isn't exactly a great space to hide right, out. Right, exactly. Well, this was before they decided to put in all that fancy stuff, okay? So let's open mind, people. Open mind. No, no, I'm just I'm kidding. Uh, but okay, because I thought the Illuminati were involved. That's something else I read. They're Freemasons. always involved. Uh, Someone's Freemasons. buying something. Yeah, Freemasons. I don't know. If, I don't know if they were involved in the uh, building of it, but everyone's involved in it. It's quite possible that they are involved hey, in storing the knowledge. I don't providing. want to take you through a little history class, but George Washington back in the day, he went there and taught him a few things. You know, after Germany bombed Pearl Harbor, you know, and yeah. that's why the pyramid is on the dollar bill. <laughs> okay. <then. laughs> hey, by the way, where the hell did the caps go? The capstone for the Great Pyramid go? That's why I want to know. Oh, okay, so. I actually read, so you know how there's a big piece missing off the top and they think the yeah, capstone, capstone is estimated to be this big giant honking piece, but they actually found the capstone from one of the other pyramids and oh, it was they? much, much smaller than expected. I didn't write oh. down the exact dimensions, but it's theorized that the capstone on the Great Pyramid was perhaps much smaller than you might expect, like maybe uh-huh. three feet instead of 30 feet, like that kind of a thing. So yeah, yeah. if that's the case... I mean, when they took off all the pieces to use the rocks to build other stuff, yeah. um, if it was much smaller, then it could easily disappear into the sand and you would never notice, you know? Man, I might be greedy, but I would love to own a condo or a house or something that was like made out of like repurposed stone from the Great Pyramid, you know? That would oh, be dude. awesome. If I could just have like one <laughs> pebble, I, I, I just give me one pebble, I'll take a hammer and just kind of smash it into the sheetrock in my house and like, like there you go, dude. No, nah, hey, uh, I'd be happy there with might that. Be- there might there might be entire houses that, that had been made out of uh, repurposed material from the Great Pyramid. You know, well, you're gonna su- you're gonna be surprised legal. what's under my glass coffee table. This is, is that- not legal. <laughs> my the coaster I'm using right now is made from rock from the Great Pyramid. You just hear a huge <laughs> clunk on your desk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, by mm-hmm. the way, did you guys hear about this one? They found a new chamber, and they're calling it the Big Void in 2017. They used muon radiography. I've, I have no idea what that is, but the chamber appears to be about 100 feet long. It's not accessible, and nobody knows what's in there. They needed to do further research, so they I guess they verified. Somebody else came and verified the findings, and they were going to do new research or further research to discover more about it. But then that was in 2020, and uh, they couldn't go because of the COVID-19 pandemic, unfortunately. But, well, why don't we ask our resident physicist, what are muons? 
hands are raining down from us all the time. Um, every second one passes through about the size of your hand on the planet Earth, and they're decaying from the cosmic background radiation. They have about 200 times the mass of an electron and have the charge of an electron. So they just kind of bombard their way through anything that gets in their way and continue to travel on without damaging it. And there's two different kinds of muon mapping. There's transmission muography and deviation muography. Let me, let me ask you a question there. How big exactly is an electron? It's very small. <laughs> so it's 50 times the size of something that's very small. <laughs> it's it's not it's not the size it's the mass let's see it's not the size that counts it's the it's mass the size that counts it's the mass <laughs> it's okay don't don't worry about it don't worry about the specifics i'm just kidding okay anyways you're saying what i was saying because i was interrupted um in transmission mammography stone and other dense materials absorb more energy from the muons than do the hollow features such as the chamber inside of the pyramid and so they'd have a detector on one side and the muons are coming in through the Earth's atmosphere through that hidden chamber. And because uh, more muons pass through that hidden chamber when it's detected, they can go ahead and reconstruct what they're seeing. This is a little different than deviation mammography, which is when the muons collide with dense elements and are deflected from their original paths. And then the detector can measure the deflection and then go ahead and reconstruct that that image. Muography isn't just used to find chambers inside pyramids. It's also used to look at dense elements such as uranium. So if you have like a nuclear waste drum, then they'll use deviation muography to detect uranium in that nuclear waste drum. Well, wasn't there, uh, there was also this, if you want to buy into the ancient aliens uh, history class, they uh, mentioned that. How dare you mention that show? My <laughs> there was <service>. substances poured. <laughs> Fuck poured that show. And the, before there was a mother, uh, the you know the queen chamber and the king chamber, there would be uh, you know substances or elements that were poured into like create carbon and have that filter out through one of the ducts that were out of the pyramid and therefore creating some uh, like a microwave effect. Hmm. They had a laser beam. Okay, interesting. They may not have. Any facts in that show whatsoever, but well, let me give you an example. I was watching the show one time and they were kind of making a claim that the reason nobody ever found any Bigfoots was because that they were actually aliens and they had a network of subterranean tunnels going throughout the nation or something. I don't know. It was no every common nation. sense. Very bizarre, but very entertaining. I'll just say that much. There is one character <laughs> yeah. on that. I call him a character because no way in hell he goes out into public with like hair that looks like he was just hanging his uh, head out the window for like an hour. Like he, <laughs> well, no, he just he, received a uh, very substantial voltage shock. Right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. It was either that or, yeah, he's doing his best imitation of a golden retriever. But, uh, yeah, there's some people on the History Channel that just make me go, like, how the you're hell did you get this you're, job? You're talking... You're talking about Giorgio. I'm not saying it's aliens, Giorgio. but it was aliens. Sukulos, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. It was aliens. Yeah, like I said, I look at that show as like entertainment. It's like I don't. I'm not sure how much I believe, but once in a while, they'll have something on that show where I'm like, "That's pretty interesting, actually." And it just kind of makes you hey, go. There's nothing huh. wrong with sparking deep thought and fascination. Yeah. I'd it's have, a fun show. Heck, I yeah. like that show. In some sometimes. Totally. All right, other, here, all right, here's one thing that might spark some fascination, right? So uh, when I was talking about Robert Schock earlier, right? So he uh. was part of some studies that they did around the Sphinx, and they were using ground penetra uh, penetrating radar. Um, penetrating is one of my favorite words of all time. Anyways, um, so they were actually <laughs> able to find like a void under the left paw of the Sphinx that um, huh. that supposedly has never been excavated, even though there's evidence of uh, the Egyptian government going in and uh, ex excavating this area. But um, they were able to show like a couple different voids and like stuff that hadn't been found before. Um, matter of fact, they were able to prove that the, the Sphinx itself isn't one solid block. There's actually like a, a, a void within the Sphinx as well. Um, I think it was by its back left hip, I think something like that. But uh, they were able to find like an opening that um, hadn't uh, been heavily documented. It had been mentioned before, and some um, some very old ex excavations, but 
they were, it, it was kind of funny the way, the way that it all went down. Cause as soon as they like, uh, started talking about these findings, like they were immediately like just shut down by the Egyptian government. They're like, Nope, that's it. All right. That's all you get to do. You're done. <laughs> huh. and, and and then a couple of years later, it turns out that it looks like they may have excavated this, uh, this area. And, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of different theories of what might be in that void. Um, some, some people even, even say it might've been like a, you know, evidence of, or, uh, you know, um, the remnants of a great library of some sort, but, uh, like Heck yeah. who, who know who knows what the hell was under there. I mean, it's definitely, there's enough evidence. Um, I believe that that void is there, but like, it's one of those, uh, great mysteries. Like there's, there's so many things even under the Giza plateau. Like I had been talking about those tunnels and stuff before, there's a lot of stuff. There's just as much uh, as much stuff under the Giza Plateau that's carved into the bedrock as there is above. You know what I mean? It's it's crazy. It, to me, it's absolutely nuts. Like like how much is there? Like and, and like uh, it's kind of funny sometimes. Like some people will talk about like uh, the Great Pyramids as like kind of one of these things. It's like all right, yeah, we know the Great Pyramids are there. That's a great story. This and that, blah blah. blah. But they're almost like burnt out on it. Like they don't like. Um, I don't know. They don't, they don't realize how much there really is there um, because of how much they've heard about it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like a, like say for instance, like a, in your uh, teenage years or early twenties or something, when you get burnt out on a song, you've heard too many times. You know what I mean? It's kind of like one of those things where like they, they, they kind of don't feel like putting any more effort towards it just because of how much they've heard about it. You know what I mean? And well, I, I actually sad. I, I mean, I remember ex- when I was I've experienced that myself, you know? I remember when I was a kid thinking about the pyramids and almost like an Indiana Jones kind of fascination, thinking uh-huh. about, you know, going there and discovering these secret traps and, yeah. and tunnels and reading the hieroglyphics and interpreting them and finding treasure. I don't know how anyone could ever get tired of the pyramids. I think they're fascinating. Well, well I, uh, I can tell I, you what was in that secret chamber underneath of the, the Sphinx's paw. Am I going to want to hear it, though? They they found oh. a bunch of scrolls with naked ladies on them. Uh-huh. Dude, that was Khufu's oh. porn collection, and that's why they didn't release it publicly, because it would be embarrassing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why he, he went to the great lengths that he did to hide it. Yeah, yeah. What, what else would it be? That's, that is ancient <laughs> browser history, okay? Yeah. <laughs> you delete like that it. when I die, all right, gentlemen? I like that theory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, you they, wipe they, everything. They don't want. They don't want it to get out. What kind of weird stuff he was into? What was it? I don't know. It was something weird. You know. I don't know. Didn't they like have uh, incest and stuff among the pharaohs? Ah. And I mean, honestly, what have they got to hide? Well, well, it, it's all Game cultural of revel- relevance, right? Right. I mean, so given their mythology the and stuff, they're probably into bestiality. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was thinking that earlier, but I didn't want to say it. But I was <laughs> yeah. there were, there, even the pharaohs, though, there, there's definitely a level of incest that, I mean, yeah, what we find incestuous is, you know, back then was, you know. You must keep the line pure, right? Yeah, keep it pure. Well, I mean, within uh, Egyptian mythology, uh, Osiris and Isis were brother and sister, weren't they? Yeah, I think that's true. They were brother and sister, and then Osiris got murdered by his uh, brother Seth, and then, um, what is it? Isis, uh, uh, put Osiris back together, but the only one piece that she couldn't find was his cock. And so, uh, <laughs> she, she, <laughs> so she fashioned a gold, a golden phallus to replace it, which actually, from what I understand is, uh, their, um, origins of the Egyptian obelisk. Hmm. This is all stuff I did not know. So really? I think we actually talked about this on a previous episode, if I'm not mistaken, but oh, I yeah. would like to just reiterate what this means is if you go to Washington, D.C., the seat of our government, what we have there in the uh, Washington Mall is a big, gigantic phallus just sticking right up there. Big right? old erect cocked. It's yeah. not just that. It's also sitting within a double Vesca Pisces, which uh, represents the womb in, in a sacred geometry. So it's a big old erect cock sticking out of a pussy. What? So you're <laughs> telling me when I was walking around the National Mall that I was actually like representation of sperm? Damn it. All right. I, I pretty much just had myself one last thing I wanted to talk about for the pyramids. Is there there's some really interesting mathematical coincidences. And when you 
talk about enough of them, it starts to seem like maybe there's, and it seems like they could all be a coincidence, but there's enough of them just where you start thinking maybe it was by design. I don't know. So for example, if you take the length of the slope side and divide by half of the side, it, that not the slope side, but the, you know, the side of the pyramid. So the sloped side divided by half of the side that equals the gold golden ratio. Mm-hmm. If you take two times the base times, uh, two times the base times height is 3.14286, which is very, very close to pi. Yes. Pi and phi but, are incorporated in, in, in the pyramid. We didn't, we didn't mention that speed of light. Uh, yeah, I was, that I was, either. yeah, I was about to get to that. If you, you oh, can yeah. talk about that if you want, if you got some no, notes on no, it. No, no, please. That is You're not, no, better. yeah, oh, okay. well, no, we should talk about it, but it's, it's not, not a coincidence in my opinion, not a freaking coincidence. So the, the perimeter of the square base is, uh, one seven six zero. And that's the same as the circumference of the circle with the radius equals height. Uh, the ratio of the perimeter to the height is two times pi. The perimeter of the base is one seven hundred or one seven thousand two hundredth of the radius of the length of the Earth. So, are, are you, you just just real quick? Are you talking about John Taylor's measurements? <laughs> yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. Well, um, and, and like some, as uh, I think it was published in eighteen fifty nine or something like that, right? Oh, oh you're, I thought I thought you were trying to make a joke. I'm like, yeah, no. is that is that is that like a porn stock guy? No, he's talking I don't know. about no, Asian no, 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 Kruger's no. dimensions. No, no, John John Taylor was one of the one of the early uh, um, individuals that measured the Great Pyramid and, and and came up with some very interesting stuff that that he surmised uh, in 18. I think it was 1859 or something like that. Um, I think is when his book was was published or something like that. But obviously his his measurements uh, took place before that. But, but, I um, found these measurements on a couple different blogs and stuff, and I, I didn't find the original source, so it very well could be. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, I, but, I digress. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt. Oh, no, no, that's okay. So, yeah, anyways, the I was think I was on the perimeter. The perimeter of the base is one, seven, one out of 7,200 of the radius of the length of the Earth, which is... You know, again, like a, a lot of these, I'm going over them kind of fast, but they after a while you're like, this is all kind of just a little too weird to all be coincidental. Mm-hmm. So here we get to too the speed exact. of light. If you draw a circle inside the pyramid and outside, so imagine the the base of the pyramid is like a square, right? And if you draw a circle to where the edges of the circle touch the, the square on the inside, and then you draw a circle on the outside where the it touches the corners, right? If you subtract the circumference of the smaller circle from the larger circle, you get 299.8, which is very, very close to the speed of light, which is mm-hmm. 299792, which is actually 2998 if you round it up. The f- yeah. uh, so the speed of light is 299792, 458 meters per second. And well, this and all, one, not only that, but if you measure, actually, you can do this on Google Earth. Uh, if yeah. you measure the exact latitude of the Grand Gallery, it turns out to be about 29.979.2458 or some shit like that, degrees north. Yeah. No, no, which, not which, almost. It's it's exactly that. It's the, okay, yeah. the latitude which is which two, 29.979224, or, uh, sorry, 29.979258 <laughs> degrees north. Just to reiterate, yeah. the speed of light is 299.792458 meters a second. Kind of weird. Kind of weird. The speed of light Kinda in a vacuum. Sus. Yeah. <laughs> in a vacuum. That, I think that's important, right? Yeah. But in yeah, a so vacuum cleaner. The in point a, of all this Dyson, is that bitch. there's certain mathematical concepts that the Egyptians should not have been aware of. And you could say it's all yes. coincidental and it's all using a bunch of magical math and stuff that's not really there, but at um, a certain point, it just adds up to where like they, they yeah. it can't be coincidence, dude, all this precision, all of this knowledge incorporated within the, the, just, just the measurements alone of the great pyramid itself, let alone the other two pyramids, let alone the rest of the pyramids, like the step pyramid and stuff. And let alone like, like the, the Sphinx or, or the Sphinx temple enclosure, which by the way, that, that Sphinx temple was made out of the blocks that were, that were excavated from 
relieving the Sphinx out of the bedrock itself, which actually I think is a pretty damn important uh, note right there. That like the, the the Sphinx Temple enclosure, I mean the the Sphinx Temple itself also um, has a great amount of weathering on it as well. That 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 I, I think supports uh, you know the theory um, that the the weathering on the Sphinx enclosure itself is a uh, evidence for a, a great great antiquity as far as um, when when it was made. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but to finish up on the ratios. There's actually quite a lot more than what I've already said. There's like a ton of stuff, but I only, I only want, I mean, it's not really, it kind of gets, you know, I'm just kind of repeating myself, pi this, square this, whatever, bunch of math that I don't even really understand, but there's a lot of ratios and things that are encoded into the pyramid and into actually the pyramid complex itself Yeah, that, that the Egyptians shouldn't have known about, um, but you know, like I said, it's maybe it's a coincidence, but it, that'd be one That's heck a of a coincidence. Hell of a coincidence, yeah. There's also yeah. a lot of uh, very interesting similar measurements between the Great Pyramid and distances between, like, say, for instance, the Great Pyramid and um, um, Stonehenge, the Great Pyramid, and uh, a couple other. Uh, I think um, not Malta. It wasn't Malta. It was a. Uh, I got a wild theory about that. I have a wild theory about that. Can I jump I like, in? Let's hear it. I love I wanna, wild theories. So, okay. Do you know, okay, I mentioned earlier that, like, uh, I don't know if I mentioned that we all give, like, a frequency, right, with our brains and everything, like our bodies, uh, like, well, sort of like an antenna. Everything in existence is held to its own appearance of solidity by its own resonance frequency. There you go. Vib- uh, yeah. Vibrations um, and frequencies and, and everything like that is is uh, some of the, the, the basis for reality i think now now okay now what cinematics is extremely important now what if when you are crowded in on the same planing like as millions of others that are walking around you um what if that is like jamming with our antenna and we build these structures to elevate ourselves to ascend to a certain level like you would like with harp and using the stratosphere for radio frequencies and all that that we they found a way, like I was mentioning earlier, where what if we had abilities back in the day and we just, you know, they were taken from us with, you know, meticulous, like, weeding out that that ability to... What, what if there's communication on another level, man? What if they're on the <laughs> tips of the pyramids? And, like, that level is, like, the radio frequency that they can intercept each other. They're on some sort of level plane on a different level. So I don't know. Crazy. Well, I think what you're getting at is kind of like, uh, it seems like, uh, they could have been much more advanced in a different direction than we are. Right. I've right. even heard about this, uh, theory, uh, in relation to the pyramids in Croatia, where they think there are some areas of the, of the pyramid, especially some of the subterranean tunnels that house, uh, some very interesting stones, um, that seem they they there's some people that that think that like it's uh, it has a lot of healing properties, like uh, these uh, structures may have been originally built in order to heal, but not just heal in order to be a tool to help somebody ascend to another another level. You know what I mean? And if you look at like uh, for instance, like you know with uh, Egypt, if you look at Egyptian mythology, obviously they were very very um, you know, focused on how to ascend to the afterlife. You know what I mean? Well, you mentioned so, other civilizations too. I mean, the Aztecs and, you know, with their their type of architecture that they used. I mean, the Croatian, you know, everything. Like there is on a, a higher level above the rest. Now, I know that is a hierarchy thing and there or you know, there there is a power, you know, to be played. Um, but you know, I don't know. Like, what it, I would like again, I would like to think that you know, it's there. It's like an ancient radio signal that you tap in only by years of meditation and harnessing that 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 ability to communicate in some sort of certain <laughs> type of level telepathically with somebody on like an equal like field of you know height or whatever. Because I mean, if you 
take a you know look from the top down of the pyramids and you you guys have mentioned this if you draw lines from you know every which direction like like more of like a like a spider web if you will they intersect other continents and every continent for that matter and each one of those has some sort of evidence of a civilization that had structures that you know they might not have been as tall but they were you know monolithic structures it amazes me how tall the pyramids are. I really, I got to go see them for myself. That's always been something I've wanted to do. If we did do that, uh, if like there was poor souls that, you know, were just thrown at that thing day in and day out to get the bricks up. And even though they're half the size of their, I mean, they're just gigantic. I mean, they have said that there could be a molding uh, like a theory that they uh, found a way to mold a bunch of these bricks uh, or these stones with the process of like being able to heat the rocks and the materials to a certain temperature and they could bring it up in a that would also explain some of the tunnels sorry to cut i'm gonna forget this if i don't say this but some of the tunnels that were in there those could have been the chambers that they would just slide up the material like with a rope pulley system where they would just drag it up onto the into those tunnels up to themselves because they're building from the ground up makes you think definitely makes you think i love it all right. Well, I guess uh, it's it's uh, getting a little long in the episode here. I think um, a- any final thoughts on the pyramids? Agent Ether, final thoughts? You know, I think it's funny because we, we talked about so much, but we really didn't talk much about aliens or telepathy or any of the really wild things that I read about and thought about when we were talking about, you know, the topic of the pyramids like we didn't even get into that at all there's so much more we could talk about dude i think we, we're gonna to have this. to have another episode about this you know what we're i mean we're gonna two. have to gonna have to and maybe we should hey i wanted i hope you heard me when i was talking about the whole meditation and the frequencies and the, the antennas that are installed into our brains hey. with, <laughs> with the tinfoil and the antennas and no, yeah, I, I didn't you. even say that. Though. <laughs> <laughs> we we touched on astral projection, and we 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 got onto some stuff. We just didn't do a deep dive, but you know, I, I didn't come you know completely underprepared here. I all right. So all, my final thoughts are, um, I think it's possible. So we we didn't actually really talk about it, but a lot of people think there was something supernatural or even alien that was involved with the building of the pyramids. My personal thoughts is that probably the building technology you had some some person or a team of people that were equivalent to like let's say Einstein and they came up with some construction technologies that were far far advanced of Tough. what should have been available at the time you just had this genius figure shit out figure out how to build this stuff with precision and the techniques used were at the time revolutionary and they were lost to time. We don't know what they I'm were telling anymore. You, man, they they spoke to them in their meditation, their dreams. They pulled them into another realm. I, I forget Could it, be. either it was Cthulhu or not Cthulhu. <laughs> um, it was uh, oh man, um, uh, mentioning uh, you know that there was a there like I mentioned earlier that there was legends of you know people that you know had that conversation with a being and I I mean what if and I I didn't I don't know if I got in too much of it but the god Thoth um definitely would be somebody that I could see being you know he was you know coined the engineer of the pyramids and there was also I didn't get into the 12 pyramids that he was the one that was the main architect for if I'm not mistaken a lot of the engineers and a lot of the if I'm not mistaken, I thought I read a quote from, not a quote from a pharaoh, but, you know, uh, he mentioned that his great vision for the pyramids was due to a vision that he received. Um, and he f- was taken to another realm and saw the building of the pyramids and was taught the ways to do it, or at least given an idea. But Egyptians, you know, Aztecs, other civilizations... Hell, George Washington and Little Green Men teaching them how to win the war, the unbeatable war. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of interventions in our past that, you know, 
it's a lot of inconsistencies that it's like it's starting to add up and more we look in and the more stuff we find and we age date whatever but uh you know i think there was an intervention i think there was something that came in taught us the way showed us the way the way my brother do you know the way yeah. So anyways, like I was saying, I think that it was probably just a talented team of individuals or an individual who came up with solutions to the problem that nobody else could think of. And a modern example, modernish example of that, that I think is uh, really interesting is how they were able to make the SR-71. For example, to solve the problem of the expanding from heat, the skin that it would, you know, when it would fly, the skin would expand so much from heat. They just said, okay, well, we'll just leave uh, leave everything just kind of loose on the ground. So it just leaked fuel, would sit on the ground, it just sit there dripping fuel because it had a wet wing design and the, the rivets were in holes that were a little bit too big. So it wasn't sealed. Or how they were, they were able to make it go faster than ever before. One of the problems you face is that a jet engine, the way it works is essentially the air coming out the end of the jet engine has to come in has to exit the engine faster than it's coming in the front. But the, they run into a problem with that beyond a certain speed. It's impossible for that to happen. So the way they solved that problem is they slowed the air down before it went into the engine. And that's what that cone is. If you look at a picture of the SR-71, there's a cone in front of the uh, jet engine. And that cone will move back and forth to slow the flow of air down before it enters the engine so that it can then be accelerated again and produce thrust basically and make the plane go faster. It's a, I don't know if I'm describing it properly, but it's a very elegant and simple solution to a problem that was probably considered unsolvable in its day. So this is what I'm talking about um, with ancient Egypt is somebody figured out a way of doing these things that were thought to be impossible. Even today, some people think it's impossible Somebody figured it out using relatively primitive tools. Like we, we can figure out how they move the blocks and stuff like that, but we still don't know how they were able to achieve these levels of precision. Somebody made it happen. In my opinion, it was not aliens. A, a person figured it out. I'm ready. I'm ready to give my full opinion. Okay. Now that all I've, right, uh, let's hear it. Agent ETA. All right. So unless this was a legacy of information that had survived a great catastrophe, like Graham Hancock likes to say, right? Uh, the human race is a species with amnesia. Now, is it quite possible that, uh, you know, individuals that had survived a great catastrophe had resettled in that area and had tried to reclaim the glory that had once been maybe called Zeptepi, possibly, you know what I mean? I, like I had said before, um, it's possible because the, this area also, uh, um, you know, when, when, uh, concerned with the damage that had been done during the the last ice age um this is one of those areas that hadn't been greatly damaged as far as what we can tell with the geological history you know i mean uh, what we know about it at least you know so it would have been a, a pretty decent area to settle on after a great catastrophe like that and try to reclaim human humanity you know what i mean so i mean i, I don't know it's it's a it's one of those things where uh, I, I I totally believe that the human race, um, before our own recorded history, had uh, reached reached great heights and had to overcome, you know, uh, catastrophes that had been presented to them by the universe. You know what I mean? Stuff that they couldn't stop themselves or they couldn't, uh, you know, uh, necessarily completely ignore uh, due to due to you know technological sophistication so if a great catastrophe had you know struck the earth you know let, let's just say like uh, right now if the great if uh, the earth was struck by a great catastrophe or somehow um you know basically the eraser button had been hit like uh most of us wouldn't survive because we're so reliant on technology and we're so reliant on uh different structures within our society, you know, you know, so, um, if we were hit by, uh, you know, a, a catastrophe like that, there'd be a very small amount of us that were technologically advanced that might survive that catastrophe. You know what I mean? So the majority of people that would survive would probably be people who were, you know, I don't know, considered as like a third world or shamanic, 
You know what I mean? People that were in, in a uncontacted tribes or something like that, that their everyday technological advancement would be 100% put towards surviving. You know what I mean? So they would survive a great catastrophe because they already know that science. You know what I mean? Like that's what they deal in every day. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, I mean like, uh, some of the, uh, mythology, some of the, uh, myths and stories and legends of old relating to like a, a great flood myth or what have you. Uh, it might make some sense. I think, you know, considering some of the structures that we have present on the face of this earth. And that is what I think. I think a higher being came down <laughs> screeching from the sky and taught these great men something what to do. <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I, it, I mean, you guys said it. Aliens came here from across the universe and hey, built pyramids. There's, there, hey, there is, you know, whether it be pyramids to, you know, take a lot of our resources. Or there's, were they landing pads, man? You never know. <laughs> nah. You weren't there. No. Nah. Yeah. Another new theory, landing yeah. pads. <laughs> Those are some weird-shaped starships. <laughs> oh, wait, if you want theories on the actual pyramid, I've heard it's also, you know, it's made for well, teleportation. It's also not just like a huge walkie-talkie. Well, given, given a certain uh, level of uh, advancement or sophistication, I doubt you would need a landing pad. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think, again, maybe if those ducks were pointed in the right direction, if something was hovering above it and sucking whatever resource it was being dumped into there, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe it was like an ancient gas pump, huh? Ancient civilization gas pump. Oh, I like it. Well, no matter who built it or how they built it, it certainly has withstood the test of time, and it's an amazing structure for us all to think about and enjoy. Yeah, inspires a lot of theories and inspires a lot of fascination. Can't argue about that. I mean... Ain't that the truth? Hell yeah. All right, let's wrap it up for this week. Thanks for listening. You can follow the show on Twitter at AlienConPod. We also have an email address, AlienConPod at ProtonMail.com. We would love to hear from you. And don't forget to check out our Facebook group slash page, AlienCon Pod.